Welcome to Walking in Faith with Pastor Rob Currington. This podcast is dedicated to helping develop lifelong seekers of the Kingdom of God. Each week, Pastor Rob helps bring God's message for living to those seeking a richer and more Christ-filled life. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he shares this week's message. Take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 2 as we continue in our study. Now this will either be the shortest message I've ever preached, because i got to go, or it's going to be the longest one because I'm going to be pausing quite a bit. So we'll see. Citizens, we've been studying Philippians. Chapter 2, verse 25 is where we're at this week as we continue on what Dustin's been sharing with us. You know, having the right tool or the right person to accomplish a task is important. It's so important. Have you ever tried to do something without the right tool? and it just doesn't seem to go well, or, or you try to do something yourself and it doesn't really go well. Like for me, if I needed to cut down a bunch of trees, you wouldn't want me to do it. No, I'd call Paul Bunyan and his babe, his big blue ox. If I find myself in the midst of dangerous cyclones, I'd just call Wild Bill Pe- Pecos, who can lasso them and ride them off. If I find myself needing to dig a railroad track through the mountain, I'm going to call Big John Henry. Or if there's something strange in my neighborhood, guess who I'm going to call? That's right. If there's something weird and it don't look good, who am I going to call? That's right. I'm going to call someone who's useful, a useful tool. You don't want me doing that. Or I'll call little Landon. Now, obviously, these characters from folklore and movies, fiction, but I use them as an illustration of people who are useful for certain, sometimes heroic tasks. In the same way as parents, we want to raise our children that are productive members of society and are responsible children and are citizens and they're ready to sacrifice and serve for others. We want them to be useful tools and useful people. We want our children and, of course, ourselves to be useful and faithful, used for honorable purposes. In Dusta's message from last week, we learned of the five traits of a useful servant. There was one, he didn't trust completely in God's plan. Number two, they were like-minded with Paul in which they had the mind of Christ. They were generally concerned for other believers. They sought the interests of Christ above all else, even their own. And they gave themselves to gospel work. In his message, pointed out that Paul used Timothy as an example of a useful servant of Christ. Now this week, Paul introduces us to another useful servant of Christ, Epaphroditus. And what a wonderful name. I'm looking forward to saying Epaphroditus quite a bit today. So with that, let's turn to Philippians chapter 2, 25 through 30. It's here on the monitor as well, but have your scripture. Again, I have thought it necessary, Paul writes, to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Verse 27. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him and not only on him, but on me also lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager now to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. Verse 29. So receiving the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Let's pray. Father, give us wisdom. Sustain me during this message. Father, I pray that we would hear what you have. Lord, let us listen closely, let your spirit do its work, and let us respond to what your spirit is calling us to do as faithful, useful servants of you. 
Thank you for your word. Thank you for the life of Epaphroditus. We just thank you so much for all your goodness towards us. Amen. Epaphroditus was most likely a Gentile convert who attended the church at Philippi. His name is derived from Aphrodite, who, which many of you know, who was the ancient Greek goddess uh, associated with love and beauty, pleasure and passion and procreation. She's also so associated with the Roman goddess Venus, so his name meant good-looking or attractive, things of that nature. And he was sent by the Philippine church to deliver supplies to the apostle Paul and to serve him while he was under house arrest in Rome, as we see in the end of Acts. It's clear as we study this passage that Paul held Epaphroditus in high esteem. Paul defines his relationship with Epaphroditus as my brother, my, my fellow worker, and my fellow soldier. And he defines Epaphroditus' relationship with the Philippines as your messenger and your minister to me. Most likely, he was the one who carried this letter, Philippians, back to the church for Paul. All in all, like Timothy, Epaphroditus gives us a living example of what a faithful and useful servant of Christ looks like. He was a vessel created by the great potter, potter for honorable use by serving in the simple, most simple and most mundane ministry of loving others. All of these examples of useful servants, we are, or like these examples of useful servants, you and I today are also servants of Christ, created for honorable use. We are called to be faithful stewards of our time and our talents and our gifts and our energy to love God with all our heart, our soul and strength and mind while loving others. And it's important for us to understand that what that looks like and how you and I are to serve Christ and others. Today, we're going to take a look at the snapshot of Epaphroditus as a model of servanthood. So with that, if you'd like to take notes, they'll be here on the screen. I want to look at some of the expectations If you're going to be a faithful and useful servant of Christ, here's some expectations, some things that you can expect. The first one is that a faithful and useful servant of Christ is sent. A faithful and useful servant of Christ is sent. Turn over to Philippians chapter 4, just a page over probably in your Bible, and look at verse 14. For it's in here in this passage that we read why Epaphroditus was in Rome in the first place. In verse 14, he says, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, speaking Paul, speaking to the Philippine church. He says, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into a partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. So we're already getting a picture of a church that is sacrificially and generously and cheerfully giving to the cause of Christ. Verse 16, he goes on to say, even in Thessalonica, you sent, me, uh, you sent me help for my needs once and once again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, he writes, having received from Ephroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Now, we don't know what this was. It probably was some type of food and sustenance, things that he needed. I think you might recall from Dustin's first message is that Paul is here and he's in house arrest. And in those days, you had to provide your own food. You had to provide your own clothing. It's not today in today's penal system where everything plus cable TV is is given to you. No, they had to provide it. So Paul, not able to go out, not able to go earn a living as he normally did, relied on the goodness of those who loved God to meet his needs. And so it's very evident in this letter to the church of Philippi that Paul had a special love for these believers and they for him. The Philippian church was founded by Paul 
and is recorded by Luke in Acts chapter 16. And he's old. They, they owed a great debt to the Apostle Paul. It was through the Apostle Paul ministry that they first heard the wonderful news of the gospel, of their need for a Savior. It all began at a riverbank that the Lord opened Lydia's heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. It was Paul who delivered a slave girl from the demonic powers that used her to deceive the city through fortune-telling. It was that act of mercy uh, and ministry that Paul was imprisoned there in Philippi, along with Silas, with their feet, feet sat, uh, fastened in stocks. It was there that a supernatural earthquake broke them free from their bonds. And the jailer cried out as he was ready to grab his sword and to kill himself. And they stopped him. And he cried out, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And it was Paul who answered with the words of life. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. and You will be saved, you and your own household. Luke goes on to write in Acts chapter 16, verse 32, that as they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all that were in his house, that he took him, speaking of the Philippine jailer, the same hour of the night, and he washed their wounds, for they were beaten. And he was baptized at once, he and all of his family. Then he brought them up to his house and set food before him. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Their life was, was supernaturally transformed. Once they were walking in darkness, now they were walking in light. And in love, the Philippine church desired to pay back the one who had declared to them the gospel that we are all sinners in need of a savior. And let me just point there for a moment. You and I do not need a life coach. We do not need a life motivator. We do not need uh, more self-esteem. We need a savior. We need to recognize that we are sinners without excuse. And without a savior, you and I are, are, are guilty of all of our sin with no excuse. And we stand before God whose wrath is ready to be poured out on us. But Jesus came in the form of a man, lived 33 perfect years, and gave himself on the cross to pay not only the penalty of our sin, but also to give us the righteousness of, her, of his 33 years of righteous living. We should also be willing and ready to serve those who have poured their lives into us. That seems like a proper response we should recognize the debt of love that we owe to those that share the gospel with us and have served us well. So not only is a faithful, useful servant of Christ sent, but number two, a faithful, useful servant of Christ serves Christ when he serves others. See, when you and I serve others, love others, we're really doing it to Christ. Scripture tells us nothing more of Epaphroditus. He's only mentioned twice in this letter, no other time in Scripture. We do not know how, uh, of his story of how he came to know Christ or why he was chosen for this mission. However, we can surmise that he, accepted, that he accepted it willingly and he sent out to serve Paul by not only bringing the gift from the church, but also staying in Rome to continue to serve Paul in any way that he could. Epaphroditus, like Timothy, served as a shining example of those who seek not their own interests, but those of Christ. Later in life, Paul will write to the church of Rome, let your love be genuine. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Epaphroditus takes this opportunity 
This opportunity to give back to the man who had served and suffered much to bring them the gospel. We must also keep in mind that there were no trains and planes and automobiles to make this journey. Philippi was 4,608 miles from Rome. This faithful and useful servant of Christ was willing to undertake a very difficult journey to deliver this love gift to Paul. He would have, been faced, uh, he would have faced the elements of the weather. He would have faced highway robbers and other dangers on those roads. This faithful, useful servant of God took to heart the words of Christ in Matthew 25 that we had read last week where he promises to those who visit messengers of Christ when they are sick or in prison, when he says, when you do it to the least of these, you do it unto me. So you and I need to recognize as we serve others, we're truly serving Christ. Paul states in verse 30 of chapter 2, back in Philippians, if you're there, that Aphrodite served both Christ and the Philippians. Look what he says in verse 30 of chapter 2. He says, for he nearly died for the work of whom? Christ. Risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Always keep in mind that in loving your neighbors, you are also loving God. Serving them is serving God. So number three, a faithful and useful servant of Christ will experience suffering. Will experience suffering. Paul confirms that Ephroditus had been sick. In verse 26 of chapter 2, Paul writes, For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed. Now why is Ephroditus distressed? Because he heard that they heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, Paul says. He was near to death. Paul goes on to write in verse 30 that not only was Ephroditus sick, but he had nearly died. Now it won't surprise this congregation but, to may, but it would to many Christians that as children of God, you and I are called to suffer. This goes against the message of the prosperity gospel that preaches and promises that God wants you to be happy, fulfilled, and flourishing. That is no gospel at all. It is a false gospel that must be rejected. Jesus himself said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will what? Find it. Scripture tells us how you and I should respond to suffering in our lives. When we're facing troubles and trials by trying to do good. He says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your, your adversary, the devil, prowls along like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour so he says, resist them, stand firm in your faith, knowing that some kinds of suffering are being experienced through your brotherhood throughout the world. You and I can just go onto the internet and see what our brothers are facing in China, in North Korea, in Egypt, in Iraq. It's one by one, those oldest Christians are facing persecution, their churches torn down. Suffering is part of the Christian life. Paul says we rejoice in our suffering. Why? Because we know it produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. James tells us to count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various kinds of suffering. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, if you would, with me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we realize that a faithful, useful servant of Christ will experience suffering. 
Now, this suffering can manifest in various ways, from persecution from the government, ridicule from acquaintances, ostracization from society, and resentment from family and friends. Some of you have understood this more so than many others. It can include economic and relational and health hardships. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, look at verse 23, that as a faithful and useful servant of Christ, he suffered more than any other. He says, are they servants of Christ? I am the better one. Am I talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death? Five times I received the hands of the Jews, 40 lashes, less one, speaking of 39. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Now this is not a California, Oregon thing, it's just to use stone with actual rocks. Three times, well that might have helped him in his suffering, I don't know. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, from his own people, from Gentiles, from the city, from the wilderness, from the sea, from false brothers, and toil and hardships in verse 27. Through many a sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. Apart from these things, there's daily pressure on me of the anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to fall and am I not indignant? Yes, Scripture does speak of the heroic feats of those with great faith. And that's who you and I like to hold on to. We want to be like David. You know, we want to be like Gideon. In chapter 11, the writer of Hebrew comments, What should I more say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, of David and Samuel the prophets, who through their faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. They were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by the resurrection. You and I say, I'll sign up for that type of work. If that's the type of reward, okay, I'm willing to suffer a little bit. As long as I come out looking good. But we have to read the rest of what the writer of Hebrews says there in chapter 11. For in verse 35, he says, Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, so they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were saw and two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in sheep, skins of sheep and goats. They were destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Suffice it to say, a faithful and useful servant of Christ is going to experience suffering when serving Christ and serving others. You and I are called to embrace the cross of Christ and to endure it with all Joy. Number four, a faithful and useful servant of Christ is sustained by the mercy of Christ. Amen? You're sustained by the mercy of Christ. Though sick and near death, we read in verse 27 that God had mercy on Epaphroditus. Though God has not promised full healing and deliverance in this temporal world, He does promise to sustain us through the sufferings and the trials and the temptations. Jesus looked up at the crowds and he had compassion on them. And Jesus looks upon you and I with compassion and he does promise us relief. In Matthew 11, Jesus said, Come to me all ye who labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He goes on to say, is any one of you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. See, God sustains us. It doesn't mean he takes it away. Paul himself would say in first or Second Corinthians chapter 12 that I asked the Lord three times to take away this thorn of the flesh. And God said no three times. And said, my grace is sufficient for thee. A faithful use of the servant of Christ is sustained by the mercy of God. Knowing that relief is on its way. It may come at death. It may come after a Intense bout of suffering, but Christ does sustain us. We are to continue serving Christ in spite of circumstances and consequences, trusting that he will sustain us in ministry. Number five, a faithful and useful servant of Christ is released when his mission is accomplished. He is released when his mission is accomplished. In verse 25 of Philippians chapter 2, you're there, I hope. We read that Paul thought it necessary to send you back, Epaphroditus. He goes on to state that it was necessary because of the church's concern, the church of Philippi. They had heard that he was sick and they were concerned about his welfare. He also states in verse 30 that uh, Epaphroditus had, a complete, had completed what was lacking in their faith or in their service to them. In Paul's view, Epaphroditus had accomplished the task of ministering to him that they had, that they had desired for Epaphroditus. In writing that what was lacking in your service, you and I must not take that as that he's criticizing the church, but he's encouraging them that they have accomplished their task of meeting his needs. Paul writes similar something to the church of Corinth when he says, uh, because the, speaking of Stephanus and Fortinatus and Achaeus, he says, I rejoice at their coming because they've made up for your absence. In this case, Epaphroditus was released released uh, prematurely due to his health issues and to calm the anxieties of the church of Philippi. However, they should not think that his early release is a setback or a failure. There may be times as you and I are serving that we may not be able to serve for as long or as intense as we would like. But we we must realize that there is a time in which that release does happen. It can be because of sickness, it can become kind of a hard, economic hardships, changes in plans, seasons of life, or even death. The key to understand is that our mission is accomplished when God determines it to be so. As the said of David, he served God in his generation and then he died. You and I must never think that we have failed due to the circumstances outside of our control. God is sovereign and he uses us to accomplish his purposes in his timing. A faithful and useful servant of Christ serves until they're released by God. You and I have to realize that we've signed up for life. Number six, this will be the last one. A faithful and useful servant of Christ is to be received with joy and honor. Again, Paul's release of Epaphroditus back to them is not a setback. They are not to be ashamed of their messenger or critical of his physical limitations or of Paul's decision to send them home early. 
Instead, Paul calls him to receive Epaphroditus with joy and to honor his term of service. Look at verse 29 of Philippians chapter 2. He says, so receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. In verse 29, Paul had wanted them to rejoice at seeing Epaphroditus again. In the same way, you and I should receive with joy those who minister to us and on our behalf. To honor their sacrifice is to honor God and his calling on our lives. I have to tell you, for those of you who have children, you need to be thankful for those who serve in the nursery. They're going to be released here in about 20 minutes or so, right? To those who work in the the children's ministry. To honor their sacrifice is to honor God. It doesn't matter what ministry they are doing. Ephroditus was was not an apostle. He was not a teacher. He was not a healer. He was just an ordinary member, and listen to this, he was, just a, he was just an ordinary member of a local church sent out to serve. That's all he was. Now you and I can gather from this is that a faithful and useful servant of Christ is one who is sent by the local church to serve Christ by serving others. Trusting that even in their suffering that God and his mercy will sustain them until the day they have accomplished their ministry and be received with joy and honor. Epaphroditus is just an ordinary believer and he's a faithful member of a local church. He's mentioned twice in the scripture. His act of service, his love, his labor of love is captured for eternity in the word of God. His service, his suffering, and his salvation is written for our benefit to encourage and challenge us to be faithful, useful servants of Christ. And that's what I want you to grab this morning. You are Epaphroditus. Maybe your name isn't as cool as Epaphroditus, but you are Epaphroditus. Called to serve, to be a useful servant of Christ. And I want to make two applications, and I'm going to try to do this as quickly as I can. Number one, first, you and I are called individually to serve as faithful, useful servants of Christ. You and I are called individually to be Epaphroditus' and Timothy's. This is the life of the ordinary believer, not some super apostle or super intern under training. We are all called to be faithful, useful servants of Christ. In Isaiah, we read of the the call of the Almighty God in the vision of Isaiah, who says, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah says, Man, I'm a man of unclean, filthy lips. But he responds, Here am I. Send me. Is that your call this morning? Are you finding yourself just making excuses why you can't serve God? Why you can't make time for God? Why you can't write a check for God? Like Epaphroditus, you and I must be fellow soldiers who voluntarily count the cost and follow Jesus. We must put aside the things of this world that Satan uses to distract us from the commission to make disciples around the world. And we need to focus on our roles to serve as ambassadors of Christ, an aroma of fragrance that leads to life, no matter where you're called to love others. Thank you. Paul wrote to Timothy, share in the sufferings of a good soldier of Christ, Jesus 
No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. And I believe today that Satan doesn't need to really tempt you to do anything bad. He just needs to keep you distracted and busy so that you are not useful to the kingdom. Parents, that's what we want to be. That's what we want to raise up our children to be. Useful servants of Christ. You and I have plans for our kids, do we not? And I think of this just because of the baby dedication. You know, I think of my kids and then Landon and the Mustang man, Nolan. I want them to do wonderful things. I want God to put his favor on them and to bless them. I want to live old enough to see them get married and have children themselves. But let me tell you, are you and I ready to see them be sawn in two for the cause of Christ? To have their blood shed on a foreign land as they share the gospel? That would be a greater honor than to be a Bill Gates or a Jobs or invent some other thing. It comes down to home to roost, does it not? There are some here, and I'm talking to you right now because this is individually. There are some here right now that are called to serve the local church by ministering in the different areas of this church. Spring Fun Day is one of them. You are called to serve your community and neighborhoods by loving your neighbor as yourself. It's just local. You're not going anywhere. You're just here serving God by loving others. So let me ask, in what way has God called you to be faithful and useful servant of Christ? Are you ready and willing to serve? Or are you making excuses of why you cannot count the cost and follow Christ? What consequence, what circumstances are right now stopping you from accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life? What is it that you hold on to so dear that prevents you from being useful and faithful? Turn to Luke chapter 9, verse 57. Is the time right? What time is it, by the way? I lost my watch. What's that? Oh, wow, we did get through early. You're going to get out of here early. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. Jesus rebuked those who made excuses for not serving. In Luke 9, verse 57, I want you to see this. Because I think you and I are here too many times. As they're going along the road in Luke chapter 9, verse 57, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. And you know what? That's all Jesus ever said. Jesus never tried to persuade him and compel him. He just said, hey, follow me. Then he turned around and walked away. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. That seems like a good excuse. But Jesus said, leave the dead to bury their dead. But for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Verse 61, yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those in my home. And Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Are you useful and fit for the kingdom of God? Only you can answer that. And that's my challenge to you. Out of love, would you be a faithful, useful servant of your Christ? 
You may be called here to serve at home or you may be called to serve abroad as a missionary, either full time or like Epaphroditus for a short term. In either case, commit today to serve. Would you this morning? Would you hear the Holy Spirit? Jim Elliott, who was a missionary, another faithful, useful servant of God. He gave his life trying to bring the gospel to the Indians of Ecuador. Most of you know him. Uh, is it the tip of the spear? What's in the, the, the book in the movie? End of the spear. Okay. Yeah, so tip of the spear, in the spear. Yeah, synonyms, right? Um, I got, I'm surprised I got that close. Was one of God's faithful, useful servants. Listen to what he said. And this is what I tried to say several weeks ago and I couldn't get it right. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He says, wherever you are, be all there. Parents, dad, put down the phone. Mom, put down the phone. Turn off Netflix. Be there for your kids. Be there for your spouses. That's extra. You don't have to pay for that. Live to the hilt every situation you believe to be the will of God. Why? Because you're serving Christ. He says, I seek not a long life, but a full one like you, Lord Jesus. What type of life do you want? What do you want on your tombstone? Not the jokes. When I do funerals, one of the things I, I talk about that. I think the greatest epitaph is that was said of David that I said earlier. He served God in his generation and he died. Could that be said of you? Now, don't think that that doesn't mean not serving your wife, not serving your children, not serving at work. But if we don't put Christ first, all the others will just fall away. Secondly, so that was individually. Here's the second and last one. This will be shorter. Secondly, we are called as a local church. And I want you to grab this. Secondly, you and I are called as a local church, Orange Villa Bible Church, to send out faithful, useful servants of Christ and then to honor them when they come back. In other words, it is the role of Orange Villa Bible Church to send members of our church to serve others in missions, in acts of service, and in love. It is apropos that we're coming up to our mission emphasis uh, a couple weeks on April 7th. In two weeks, you and I will be sharing our vision for our mission ministries. And here's what I want to give you a preview. OVBC needs to become a mission-sending church. We need to become a church-planting church. We need to be about people being released from church. Now, not to go home and watch Netflix, but to go into service. Corporately, you and I can do much to finance, to plan, and provide for the spread of the gospel. You've heard it said there's too many times that churches are nothing but holy huddles. But we're called to be sent out. And you say, wait a second, look at how many we have here. How, what, what, what could we ever do? We could do so much more through Christ. In his letter to the, Ro to the Roman church, Paul wrote, wrote in Romans chapter 10. It's here on the screen if we can go to that. And I hope you believe this today. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? Amen? But how will they call on them whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? 
And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Not only should you and I seek to send out, you and, us, you and I must receive such servants with joy and honor. As our missionaries come back to visit during the month of, of April, April 7th, and then Doug Landro from the Ukraine is going to be here at the end of the month, let us receive them with joy and honor them as faithful, useful servants of Christ who labor on our behalf for the cause of the Trinity. Let us commit this morning to not only be willing to be sent, but let let us also be committed to sending. May the God of grace direct your heart, sustain you in service, and receive you with joy at the time when we hear the words we all long to hear. And I'd like to bring your attention to to the board, the monitor, where Jesus will say, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Would you commit to being Epaphroditus, to being a Timothy, a faithful, useful servant of our Lord Jesus Christ? Their head bowed. Ask the worship team to please come up. What prevents you from doing so today? I pray that you've read this scripture, you've heard what I've had to say, and I pray that the Spirit is working in your heart. Maybe first you need to come to know Christ. You need to know that there is a Savior who died for your sin. There's one who has paid your price. For salvation is not found in anything but in Christ's work. Not in any work that you can do of yourself, but only that which Jesus did already. I pray that you would come to him today. I pray that you would be committed this morning. That you see that God has called each and every one of us to be faithful useful servants. Father, prepare us for such a thing. Make us sufficient for such things. Lord, let us do not rest until this message has just permeated our hearts and our minds and our inner being. Let us wrestle with it in your calling on our lives. Let us model this to our, to our wives, to our children, to our husbands. Father, to those that we are around, that we serve the almighty Christ. Lord, thank you for bringing us to this place. In your name we pray. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this week's Walking in Faith podcast. We encourage you to share this podcast with others in order to help spread God's message to all those in need. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Email us at walkinginfaith at orangevilla.org. You can help us spread this podcast by writing a review at iTunes. And don't forget to visit us online at orangevilla.org. There you will find more information about our ministry, as well as share your thoughts, submit prayer requests, and find out how you can help others to grow in God's love. Until next week, may God bless you in everything you do.